All right, if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be this morning, Luke chapter 1. Or you can pull that out on your phone or device. If you don't have any of that, the words will appear on the screen here in just a few moments. But hold your place there. That's where we'll be. Let's start with prayer. Fathers, we come into this Advent season, this season of waiting, of anticipating the coming of Christ. We remember for all those hundreds of years, your people, wherever they were all over this earth, they waited and Lord, as we come, in, come into this time, we're, we're tackling the topic of fear. And so, Lord, you, your word tells us that your love cast out all fear. And so would it do just that today? Lord, I thank you. I thank you for once again using this broken vessel to speak your word. As we open your word, would you open our eyes and may we see you, may we see your son, may we see your spirit in them alone. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We do not know uh, a lot about them. We do not know how long they had been married. Uh, we do not know if they had the normal spats like married couples have. Don't nudge your spouse right now. But odds are they did, right? There's a lot, as biographies go, that we simply do not know about these two people, but there are some things we do know. We do know they loved each other. We do know that they were devout. Not perfect, but faithful. We do know that both of them come from priestly families. The husband's name was Zechariah. His name means God remembers the wife's name was Elizabeth. Her name means God is my oath. Put the two together and it, their names together could mean God remembers my oath to him. We pick up their story in Luke chapter one. Verse five tells us that this is the time of Herod, king of Judea, and then Zechariah and Elizabeth are identified there. And verse six says, and they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in age. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. The whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. This was, I believe, a very exciting moment in the life of this family. Very exciting moment. I told you that they came from pre, uh, two priestly families. It was only the descendants of the sons of Aaron who were selected and called to uh, lead worship in this way in the temple. It was an exclusive call based on your family. 
And whenever they would be called, once, maybe twice a year, depending on how large the families were, they would come in and they would relieve one family, and one family would come in and lead worship in the temple, and then another family would come in one week at a time. And there were 24 classes or orders, according to 1 Chronicles 24, so 24 orders or families that would come in and do this year after year after year, leading the people in worship. And people would gather and pray, and people would gather and sing, and they would gather in worship, and they would gather and sacrifice, and it was Zachariah's family's term. And, and this had to be an exciting moment. Not only are they there leading the people in worship, but Zechariah is chosen by lot, which means it's random. They, they don't play favorites. They don't like, it's my turn to go burn incense. No, 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 none of that, none of that. It's randomly chosen by lot that you would, be, you would go in before the altar and burn incense while the people outside were praying. And the incense represented the prayers of the people that were going up before the Lord. Some scholars have pointed out that you may actually go your whole life and not get chosen to do this. Because again, it's totally random. Or it may come along once in a lifetime or a few times in your life to actually go in before the altar of the Lord in the temple and burn incense while the people were praying. And it was Zechariah's turn. He was chosen. And this is one of those moments where you're thinking, if you're Zechariah, I better not mess this up. You know, this is important. He may never get to do this again in his life. He may have never done it before in his life. We don't know. We don't know the answer to that because they were chosen randomly. But there he is, as you get the picture, in the temple before the altar of incense, burning incense while people outside were praying. And then that's when it happens. An angel appears. And Zechariah literally says in perfect Hebrew, of course this would happen while I'm in here. Okay, that's not in the Bible, but that's what I would say if I was Zechariah. Of course this would happen while I'm in here. Before the altar of the Lord, burning incense, all these people out here praying, sure, an angel shows up. And then the angel says something very important, and I want you to look at it. In verse 12, notice Zechariah's reaction to this is fear fell upon him. Now, don't get me wrong. If an angel shows up, I'm probably going to be afraid too, okay? But when the angel speaks to Zechariah, he speaks to a much deeper fear than just this moment. He speaks to a much deeper fear than just Zechariah being afraid right here because he just showed up. And then in verse 13, he gives him five divine proclamations that are so important for Zechariah and they're important for us. The first thing he says, first thing out of his mouth is do not be afraid. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard, your wife will have a son, and you will call him John. All five of those things are very, very important. Five divine proclamations right here in one verse. And I want to walk through them. The first thing that we see, the first thing out of the angel's mouth is what I call the divine reminder. The divine reminder is do not be afraid. 
This is the one thing that God has been saying to his people over and over and over throughout the centuries. We covered this last week. Over and over, the message has been to God's people, do not be afraid. But again, the fear that the angel is speaking about here, I believe, yes, it applies to the moment when the angel just appeared in front of him, but he's also speaking to the fear that Zechariah and Elizabeth are living with. Because the fear that Zechariah and Elizabeth are living with is the fear of never having a child. And whenever a fear like this is revealed in Scripture, it should cause us to ask the question, what is my fear? Like, really? What is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you're afraid will never happen? What is it that you're stay up at night thinking about? wake up early in the morning thinking about. Every one of us have fears in life. And the angel showed up to once again tell this man in this story, but it speaks to us, you do not have to be afraid. Whenever you see the phrase do not fear or do not be afraid, that is a calling to each and every one of us. The phrase do not fear calls out to us for us to look at whatever it is we fear in light of who our God is. And so many times what happens is we live life and, and, and fear seems to be winning because we have this small, limited, inadequate understanding of who God really is. And it's our own understanding of who God really is that holds us back and lets fear win the battles. But whenever fear is actually winning the battle in our life, when fear is ruling, it's because we have lost sight of the one who rules fear. When fear is conquering in our life, it's because we've lost sight of the one who has already conquered all fear. Totally lost sight of who our God is. And even though we all experience these moments uh, where, where fear kind of is, is fleeting in these moments, the angel's message to Zechariah is true for us today, and that is you do not have to fear. You do not have to be afraid. And the very fact that we need to hear that message over and over and over again is because the world we live in, the culture we live in, fears rise up in us all the time. And so God loves repeating the message again and again and again as long as we need it. And it seems like when fear rises up, at least collectively among God's people, God tends to raise up someone to remind us of this message, that we do not have to be afraid. When fear rises in us, it's as if God raises his voice and he raises up a prophet to come back once again and tell us we do not have to be afraid. Whenever fear is on the rise, God sends an angel to tell us once again we do not have to be afraid. And we see it happen over and over and over throughout scripture. And he wants us to get this message, not just to hear it, not just to know it, but for us to live it, that we simply do not have to fear. It's the divine reminder he's been telling his people throughout the centuries. Number two, won't be as long as number one, but the point number two is this. Number one is the divine reminder, do not be afraid. The second is the divine affirmation. He says, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, he calls him by name. He says, you, here, now, you do not have to be afraid. When someone calls your name, number one, it gets your attention. Number two, it lets you know or it affirms that they know who you are personally, right? Means you're identifiable by them. They know who you are. And this is not just some random statement here. Notice this angel is getting Zechariah's attention because he has a specific word for Zechariah. And what God is saying through the angel is, I know you, 
And I know what you're going through. I know you. I know what you're going through. I know what your prayers have been. I know. And I know you, Zechariah, so I call your name. I call your name. And he does the same for me and for you. I wonder how many times Zachariah and Elizabeth were just praying at night wanting a child. I wonder how many times their heart was heavy because of their barrenness. That they went days where they couldn't even talk about it. How many times did Elizabeth have to call up a girlfriend just to vent? How many times did Zechariah talk with a friend and say, I don't understand? I don't know. But in this moment, in this moment, an angel appears to Zechariah. He says, You do not have to be afraid. And he calls him by name. At that point, even though the sentence is not complete, God has Zechariah's full attention. Same thing with us. I believe that God loves to call our name. He gives us that divine reminder, you do not have to be afraid, but he gives it specifically to us. He can speak to you in what you're going through and the pain you're carrying and the heartache that you're carrying. He can speak to you, just like he did for Zechariah. And in that moment, he affirms that we are known by God. He actually knows my name. Number three is this. He says, the reminders do not be afraid. The affirmation is he calls him by name. Number three is what I call the divine assurance. He says, your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. You know, in the midst of leading worship, in the midst of leading people in prayer, Zechariah hears these words. Your prayer has been heard. You could translate that phrase, your prayer has been heard, as someone has been listening to you. Someone has been listening to you. Again, I wonder how many nights Zechariah had been praying and Elizabeth had been praying and they've been wondering, is anybody at all hearing this? You ever prayed those kind of prayers where you sit there, you close your eyes, you're not even sure why you close your eyes, right? And then you put your hands like this, you're not even sure why you put your hands like this, you just saw it in a picture or a painting or something, and then you start talking out loud and you're going, I wonder if anybody's hearing this. I guess I'm the only one, right? I wonder how many times, how many times as they were praying and now they heard someone's listening and the angel is communicating to him, God is listening. Imagine how encouraging, encouraging that was in that moment. And that is encouraging in that moment and we need these reminders in our life that God is actually listening because of the gap that we live in. You and I live in a gap and we're constantly living in this gap. And the gap is between prayer prayed and prayer answered. Right? 
Whenever we pray a prayer, then we have to wait for it to be answered. Some prayers are answered pretty quick. Some prayers, not so much. And we spend our lives trying to figure out why some are answered quickly and some not so much. I get that. But we live in this gap. And so many times it's in this gap between prayer prayed and prayer answered where doubt begins to creep in, where we start to think maybe God is not listening to me, maybe God is not hearing me, maybe God just simply does not care. And none of that is true. None of that is true. While we're living in that gap, we have to remember the assurance that God wants us to have is that I hear you. I hear what you're praying. I hear what you long for. I see what the desire of your heart is. And we need that assurance that even in the midst of living in the gap between prayer prayed and prayer answered, God hears us. He hears us. And I'm here today to tell you some of you are living there right now. You're living in the gap between prayer prayed and prayer answered. And I'm here to tell you, he hears you. He hears you. When will it be answered and how? I do not know, but he hears you. And the king of heaven is at work. And what the angel says to Zacharias, do not be afraid. Zechariah, you, today, right here, right now, do not be afraid. I know your name. And your prayer has been heard. And then he gives him the divine answer. On this day, this prayer could, be answer, could have been answered any number of ways. The answer was, Elizabeth will bear a son. Elizabeth will bear a son. Now God could have worked that out and orchestrated that again in a lot of different ways. But that was the answer. But notice the answer, the type of answer it was. Yes, it was the desire of their heart. Yes, I understand all that. But notice that God is giving an answer in the present about a future reality. It's an answer in the present about a future reality. Elizabeth will bear a son. It takes at least nine months for that to happen, right? And what he's saying to him is, yes, this is actually at some point in the future, it is going to happen. And sometimes God answers prayer that way. Sometimes he, we wait, we don't have a clue until, wow, all of a sudden we see the answer. You know, and sometimes God is very clear on the front end. He says, this will come to pass. The thing for me and you that we have to come to that place where we stay grounded in is that even though I live in the gap between prayer prayed and prayer answered, even though I live there and even though doubt and things like that begin to creep in, we have to remember that God loves to answer prayer. He loves to answer prayer prayer. Don't be afraid. He knows your name. He hears your prayer and he answers those prayers. And he will. I've told you before the story about whenever um, Emily and I were praying about coming to Fraser. Part of that story is you, that you've heard is that we put a prayer team together. A mentor of mine, Ricky Smith, a pastor in Gunnersville, uh, Emily's best friend, Kelly, who was living in Colorado at the time, and then a mentor of mine, Dr. Barry Anderson in Memphis, Tennessee. And we just asked them to pray, and we asked them to pray with us in that. And one day I got a call from Dr. Anderson, and it was the strangest call because he's like, you know, Chris, I have peace about this. I'm praying for you. He said, but something keeps happening. Every time I'm praying for you, there's this picture in my mind. And the picture is of this black table. And it's a black metal table, and it has this pattern on it. And, and then there are these like white and gray spots and chips all over it. And I'm like, what in the world is that? 
He goes, oh, no, 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 it gets better, it gets better. It's a black table, all right, metal table. It has a pattern on it, this, black, uh, this white and gray spots on it. The black is not bad, the white is not good, the white is not bad, the black is not good, and I have no idea what it means. And I'm like, you're supposed to be the mentor here, you know? Help me out, oh, wise one. <laughs> you know, he's just like, I have no idea, no idea. He said, but I feel really good about this, about this move. And I'm like, thanks for nothing, you know? Now I'm just confused. Black metal table, right? Got a pattern on it. And then all this gray and white spots on it. You know, the first thing that I was invited to at Fraser, outside of a meeting or a worship service, was a prayer gathering. Wednesday mornings at 6.30. I didn't even know I was a Christian at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> but I came. It was awesome. Wednesday morning at 6.30. It's during COVID, so we met outside. We met in between the East Sanctuary and the John Ed Matheson Activity Center, the JMAC over there. There are several guys who've been praying in this church for many years. They pray for our country every week. They pray for our denomination every week, and they pray for our church every week. Those are three things they pray for. We've been praying for years. They invited me to come be a part of the prayer meeting. We all circled up. We were sitting around in chairs. Then after we got done praying, I stood up, and I looked to my right. And about three feet away was that table right there. That's what that table looks like. <laughs> Listen, do I understand it all? No. But what I do believe is that when we pray prayers, God speaks. And sometimes we don't even understand how he's actually speaking to us in the moment. But he speaks. And when I saw that table, number one, you could have pushed me over. I could have fallen down. But it confirmed once again, this is right where you're supposed to be, and, and, that prayer has to saturate everything we do. That's why we're starting our prayer meeting January 5th on Wednesday nights in here. Prayer has, and so the Lord speaks to us when we pray these kind of prayers. And if we will, I understand living in the gap gets hard. Living in that place where you don't see the prayer answered just yet. Or things simply do not make sense. I know it gets hard. But if we will follow Zachariah and Elizabeth's lead here. And we hang in there. It's amazing what God can do. And the fifth thing is that he gives divine outcomes. Divine outcomes. The divine outcome of this prayer right here was that you will name the child John. John. You know, the name giver has responsibility for that which it's named, right? That's why parents get to name their kids. God named Adam, told him to name creation. God enters into people's lives. We see it all throughout scripture and he changes someone's name, sets them on a different course and trajectory of their life. God says, I'm going to rule your life. I'm going to govern your life from this point on. His name was John. God wanted him to be called John. John means God is gracious. He's so gracious. But this gracious work that God was doing was not just for this couple. I want you to notice this. It was also for the whole world because he was to be the forerunner for the very Messiah that they had been waiting for. The forerunner. 
this gracious gift to this couple that was barren and old and also to the world. And the reason why is because most of the time, divine outcomes are not just about a singular blessing. Most of the time, divine outcomes are about generational blessings where God blesses you, and then because of that blessing, other people are blessed, and other people are blessed, and other people are blessed. You've heard me say many, many times, we have a generational faith. We have to pass it on to others. That's what we do. And when God blesses us in this way, it gives us a divine outcome for his purposes. It is a blessing to so many other people. And that's how we seek to live. So many times we pray the prayers of God, bless me, God help me, God, me, me, I, I, my, my. And and God wants so much more than that for us because yes, he can bless you, but it's never just for you. It's for all of those around you, especially all of those who don't know him because he desperately wants them to know him. And the same is true for this gracious gift called John. The reminder was do not be afraid. The affirmation was he knows your name. The assurance was that your prayer has been heard. The answer was that yes, Elizabeth would have a child, but the outcome was so much bigger than what they could imagine. And notice the context. Every bit of this takes place in what we read. Every bit of it takes place where? In the temple. As Zechariah is burning incense while the people pray. How many years had they been praying the same prayer and it had not been answered? How long? But you see, you know, today we give up so easily, don't we? Oh, we just throw our hands in the air. We run off. We change jobs. We change careers. We try to change families, right? We change churches. We just run, 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 run. Not Zechariah and Elizabeth. No, no, no. You see, when they were afraid, they trusted. They kept praying. When they did not have an answer, they trusted and they kept praying. When they didn't hear God's voice, they trusted and they kept praying. When they had very little assurance, they trusted and they kept praying. When they had doubt, they trusted and they kept praying. When they had no answer, they trusted and they kept praying. Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade, they kept doing it. He's still in the temple praying. He's still praying. He's living Psalm 141, verse 2, that says, Let my prayers be counted as incense before you. And Zechariah and Elizabeth trusted when they could not see. And the question is, what about you and me? We can have that kind of faith that says, I don't have a whole lot of this figured out or answers, but I'm just going to keep trusting and I'm going to keep praying. That kind of faith can produce faithfulness, or we can live out of fear and we can spend the rest of our lives on the run. They trusted when they could not see. Again, the question is, what about you? And what about me? So, Father, I ask that you would give us faith That even though we don't see, even though we don't have all the answers, even though we're living in the gap right now between a prayer that has been prayed and prayed desperately and an answer, 
even though that's where we may be this morning. Help us never stop praying. Help us never stop walking to the temple, walking into your presence, burning the incense before you, lifting up our prayers before your throne. Just let us never stop. Lord, as we prepare for holy moment right now of worship and prayer and communion, would you give us the grace we need? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.